Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of uh, Scrapbook. My name is Michaela Colonna. I'm your host. And my guest today is Stockholm-based Dutch-Canadian artist Ryan Koopmans. Uh, Ryan is a super talented artist exploring the relationship between architecture and nature and is one of my favorite creators in the space as he also happens to be an amazing human and, um, and a great ambassador for digital art. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for, for having me. It's really nice to, to finally speak with you and... Um... Thanks for the kind introduction. I was actually very much looking forward to this uh, conversation, Ryan. I mean, uh, I had it on my list of, uh, of, of favorite guests to, to, to have on the show. So, uh, so when you accept that, I was super stoked. Um, there's, uh, gosh, there's so much to cover. There's uh, uh, really, uh, um, you know, a, a, a curiosity and a willingness to really get to the, you know, to the core of your art and really get to understand the, uh, you know, the thesis behind it, the creative vision behind it. So I am super excited to, 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 be, to be here talking to you and, uh, and I appreciate you making the time to, uh, to come on the show. So, uh, so why don't we get started, Ryan? So, um, so if I... If I remember correctly, you're in, you're in the process right now of, um, of, of doing a drop with Nifty Gateway, right? I think it's uh, your, your auction just launched, right, with, uh, as part of the Crypto Cube project, right? Um, if you can just like, share with the audience, you know, what is the uh, premise behind that project and your piece specifically? So, um, yeah, the, the Crypto Cubes and Creators project is something that was created by the artist Han. And um, he's, he's quite a, like an OG artist in the space and has collected some, you know, really significant work as well. And this is the sixth season, like the sixth iteration of this project where he has created, I think 250 or so of these like distinct um, 3D cubes in different forms which have themselves been collected by by collectors but then every one of these seasons uh, a group of artists that he chooses pick one of those cubes and make a you know like a derivative uh interpretation interpretive piece um with the cube in whatever artistic style that they they want and um it's i think the first season was at the end of 2020 or perhaps early 2021 but he's you know pulled in some of the the top artists in the space who've done you know really interesting pieces and um uh the every season has been a 24 hour auction where the the collection goes for for the day and then at the night like an hour before it finishes they hold a Twitter space and it's sort of like a, a social kind of event where people get to connect. And um, it's really cool because it, you bring together all these different artists, communities and collector bases. So there's, there's kind of like cross pollination between generative artists and, you know, more meme artists and typical one of one, you know, 3D or fine art. So it's, it's sort of just like a community focused um, fun collaboration that is organized by Han. Right, right, and it, and it, well, and you're right, right, because it does expose. There is a cross pollination element to it because it does expose, say, for example, your style, right, to uh, another participants, right, and, and that participants are other artists' uh, uh, fan base, right. So, uh, and I, the level of contribution is both on the on the backdrop, right, but also on the. Uh, the stylizing of the cube itself, right? So there's both elements. Yeah. 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 So he, he gives, you know, total creative freedom for, for the artist to, the collaborating artist to take um, the existing cube and, you know, change it up in, in whatever sort of form that they want, um, whether it's a texture or, you know, like how, how the thing presents itself basically. And um yeah, then you incorporate the, that cube into the work and it can be in a very, you know, abstract, interpretive way or more literal, like placing that specific cube into your style. But um, yeah, it's meant to be just sort of like free and free thinking and, uh, and fun, essentially. Yeah. And anything particular about yours uh, as far as uh, as far as influence, as far as style, as far as uh, uh, overall design? Um, yeah, so 
basically the the context in which the cube that I chose is situated is in this old um, stone structure in that I that I visited in the mountain northeast of Ar- Armenia, the country Armenia, last year. So um, that was a trip where I was shooting different uh, locations, a lot of like former Soviet uh, cultural buildings, as well as like older mon- monasteries and uh, temples and that kind of stuff throughout Armenia. So um, this this one interior just sort of stood out as um, a nice environment where it would it would be elevated by including like a physical object or a sculpture or something in there. Um, so that, yeah, so that piece is, is the, the picture that the cube is situated in is an actual place that I went to and photographed. And then as far as the, the cube itself goes with Alice, you know, we're, we're always, we work very closely. So we're, um, thinking of like the best texture to, to portray the best, most relevant message. And, um, Ultimately, it came down to this idea that it's like this this treasure or gem or some sort of you know like crystal object that can be found in this building. So a bit more um, you know like playful and, and uh, imaginative, say than than um, like what I would consider like a typical one of one, which is which is more focused on making it look like real. And even though it's, it blends the the surreal with with the real it's it's very based in reality whereas this is a bit more like fantastical right 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 <clears throat> and it definitely reads that way uh and so the auction runs until today right today is the is a deadline right yeah yeah so um i mean i'm in europe right now so i think it ends at midnight tonight so right six o'clock yeah. uh, eastern or so something like that yeah excellent um so, uh, Ryan, if, so if I look at your bio, right, there's a very concise statement saying, you know, artists bringing new life to abandoned architectural spaces, which, by the way, sounds just about right, right? Um, it, does, does that, you know, is that Ryan Koopmanson at the core, right? Is that, is, does that really uh, uh, capture the essence of your, uh, of your, you know, who you are as an artist? Yeah, I mean, I think that my work from the very beginning you know, when I first started working full time professionally, you know, over 15 years ago in this field, um, has always looked at the what I deem like the built environment, so like the architectural environment and the natural world. So the relationship between like nature and human creations structures um, is a theme that has run through every project whether it's shown in a very literal way or even more just like influenced the the subject in some form um and you know that journey's taken me from looking at, at futuristic cities like mega cities around the world and how they have uh, incorporated nature into showing the national identity or trying to project like um uh a, a, a sort of um, a way that the country wants to be perceived through using nature, whether it's through icon, you know, through creating like symbolism or um, incorporating greenery into the urban spaces. Um, so, from concepts that, that look at modern futuristic cities like that to looking at the complete opposite, which was in this case um, buildings from the past and the way that that structures have deteriorated and then nature has, has taken back over. So it's always kind of, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the paradoxes and the relationship yeah. between those two things, whether it's humans taking out nature to build a, a building or nature, you know, resurging and um, eventually enveloping the, the built environment as well. Yeah, because um, I mean, nature will certainly take uh, take the initiative, right? You know, the reappropriation of uh, of the um, of whatever man man builds, right? Uh, it's funny when I think when I was writing uh, um, 
when I was writing a review of one, on, on your work in uh, one of my newsletters, right, I had mentioned that uh, uh, the work reminded me of that book, The World Without Us, right, which goes, um, uh, you know, basically speaks to what, you know, what uh, Earth could look like with, uh, you know, once uh, men um, is, is no longer around, right, and there's this sort of like large-scale reclamation of, uh, of everything that we've built so far. So, um so it's interesting to see that sort of that, that that analogy there, because to me it's like you know you see these spaces in a in a you know in a state of decay, uh, with maybe you know kind of nature slowly making its way to reclaiming this this this, this land, and then you obviously adding your element of like you know beautification of like just these, um, you know which which are stunning exercise in just aesthetics. I mean I think it's uh, uh, the finished work is qu is quite beautiful. So. Um, so, um, so as an artist, uh, Ryan, you know when uh, you know you're putting your creations out into the world, right? With uh, you know, it's with, it's almost with the same apprehension of a of a parent that sends his kids, you know, out into the world. So, with that in mind, right, and who, and, and the people that are going to be the stewards of your work, right, uh, the collectors in this case, um, like what, what, who is your ideal collector? Like what you know, what what does that person look like? You know what. Uh, um, uh, what, what, what do you yeah. imagine it to be? Yeah. Um, well, I think you know anybody who who connects and collects the work is is greatly appreciated, and um, it's it's pretty cool how you have, especially in this you know Web three space, how you have such a, a varied range of different backgrounds and different people from different places with different professions and all that. So. Um, you know, in that sense, like the, there's there's a, a quite a diverse like type that ends up being drawn to the work, which is, is super cool. I think the sort of consistent thread th throughout that, you know, as we're talking about ideal collectors, is one who um, you know appreciates the work and is drawn to it, and perhaps has other pieces that I personally would 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 really like in their collection. And, um, you know, the, the values, the, the story and the concept and as well as the aesthetic. But, you know, that being said, I, I think that there's people that have different, you know, approaches or value systems or, or things that draw them to, to the work. And um, is, I, I'm very, like, appreciative of, of all those different factors um, that would bring someone to, to want to collect a piece. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you do have quite the roster of collectors, right? Uh, I think you know Jim Carrey factors into that, right? Uh, NorCal guy, right? There's um, you know quite a bit of a pedigree there as far as the, uh, but again, it speaks to speaks to the art, you know. In my opinion, speaks to the uh, uh, you know the creative vision behind the work and really the depth of uh, of just substance, right? Because uh, it's not just the finished uh, uh, artwork, but it's the uh, obviously it's the whole body of research, the whole body of uh, uh, scouting that goes behind, you know, the location, right? The location uh, research and all that. So um, I think the value is very, very uh, easily perceived, right? You know, as we uh, as we you know we consider your body of work in general. So. Um, now, 2022 right. was you. a very, very prolific year for you, right, uh, Ryan, right? Uh, the everlasting series among the standouts, right? And th now, that was four works, right? There, yeah. Yeah. There's, it's, a, it's still, you know, ongoing, but there was four pieces that for 22, yeah, um, right. were, were minted. Oh, yeah. So there will be more works for, uh, that will uh, come to life from, from uh, within that series, right? Uh, can you share the premise yeah, behind exactly. everlasting? So the... I guess I could start back at the, the previous project mm -hmm. sure, called yeah. The Wild Within was focused on one particular town, this this town of Skultubo in the country of Georgia. And that was sort of, you know, the birth, um, the early seeds, for lack of a better term, that the um, the concept really emerged from because you had these abandoned sanatoriums and hotels uh, from the the Soviet era that in the beginning of the 1990s were completely um, left to to decay, and then plant life started to slowly um, grow in the space as the floorboards were ripped up and you know people started to to take apart the structures, 
Um, so the idea was to take that concept and, and sort of emphasize it to exaggerate it in some ways by adding the digital animated foliage and really, you know, um, emphasizing that, that reality. Um, the, the, so that project ended with 13 pieces, but my interest in different architectural styles and cultures and whatnot goes beyond just Skulltubo. So the series Everlasting has allowed me to, you know, look more globally at all different places and take that, that initial concept and apply it to a bit of a broader um, architectural and cultural landscape. So it's, you know, still very much focused on the, that, that phenomenon, but as opposed to post-Soviet buildings from the er, abandoned in the early nineties, I'm looking a bit broader, for instance, in Lebanon and Beirut and throughout Armenia, um, throughout Italy and other places that have had a like long, rich, dynamic, and um, in many cases, very volatile history that is shown in the architectural designs of the place. Um, and in, yeah, in all those cases as well that have, that have really experienced the passing of time in that many of these buildings are abandoned for, for various reasons. Right. And, and when you find, like, for example, your travels to Georgia, would they just like sitting there? Would they just like, you know, uh, just sitting there, like, yeah. kind of, uh, uh, you know, naked in, in, in decay and in, in disuse and, uh, with no plans whatsoever to be rehabbed. Yeah. Well, so the first time I went to this town in Georgia, Skeltubo was about, I think about eight, seven or eight years ago now. And at that point it was, um, it's very different than it is now. It was, it was quite a bit less discovered and, um, there, there's a, there's been a nearby conflict between Russia and Georgia and Abkhazia, yeah. which is a breakaway region, right? And um, large amounts of internally displaced people from Abkhazia were relocated to these sanatoriums in Georgia, which were meant to be temporary shelters, right. like in the early '90s. But so when I first went there, like seven years ago. Um, a lot of these sanatoriums still had these internally displaced people living oh, within wow. them, living in the, in the old rooms or, you know, in the makeshift uh, housing sort of solutions. Um, and there was a lot more like farm animals wandering around. <laughs> There'd be like a cow walking down the hallway or chickens. And so it was very, it was very much full of, um, of life, like from this, this particular group. Right. And then, over the years, the you know, even though it was like 25 years after they'd temporarily been relocated there, the government had started to um, to to build like more modern apartments on the outskirts of town, and were slowly relocating families like as they wanted right, to do right, so. Right. So essentially, the the buildings um, from then to now became like fully abandoned, wow. and then because of the the uh, popularization of this project and some of the earlier trips that I, I went there and photographed um, Skeltubo has become very much like a hotspot in the region for people who want to, you know, see these like grandiose right. um, old buildings, which the, which the people um, who live there have been like very receptive of and, yeah. and are, like excited that this town is sort of back on the map because back in its heyday in the, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, it was like a thriving yeah. destination. And a lot of the people who were around then are still there now. So yeah. the, to see it sort of have this resurgence has been exciting for them. Yeah. And, and, and Ryan, do you find this, um, you know, this prevalence of say, you know, uh, remnants of like, you know, of empire, right. Of, uh, of, times past, right? Do you find them uh, directly linked to the style of governance? Like, for example, like, you know, in autocratic um, 
yeah, autocratic, uh, you know, countries, right? Do they produce more of these sort of, uh, um, you know, these grandiose buildings that eventually just just serve the purpose of that uh, of that regime? And once it's you know it moved, they just you know they get left to decay, whatever. Um, as opposed, to, for sure. Yeah, did you find that to be the case? Yes, but what's interesting, say, with Skaltubo is that the twenty or so different structures in this one town. Um, they've all been built in, in somewhat different architectural styles. So you have this sort of like Soviet classical, uh, you know, classic classicism inspired Stalinist, uh, Baroque kind of look. And then you have the more like brutalist, modern, your typical like heavy concrete um, Soviet look. And um, then a few variations between it all. So that's what particularly drew me to that place is the sort of variety of different uh, different styles. But you, you very much see that, that sort of um, like heavy-handed uh, print of the social, cultural, ideological time in which things were made, even through the smaller, you know, villas throughout Italy with the older yeah. paintings on the ceiling, you get a lot of, of really like detailed nuances as to the the time and the place that it was created. Yeah, but yeah, but you're right. It does it does speak to almost the you know to the the ambition of man, right? The, you know, especially in these autocratic states. You know, the you know the desire to appear much bigger than than one is, right? And and build these monuments to oneself or to a regime or to a uh, uh, to empire, right? And uh, and then we are left with the repercussions of that, right? Once that uh, that political uh, movement or establishment has moved on, right? We're left with these relics, right? But uh, but again, th- sure. there is a almost a sentimentality to it. There's a sentiment, sentimental beauty to it, right? Which, uh, and that's how you react, that's how you react to it, right? As you uh, come upon these buildings, right? You kind of, your reaction is like one of like, you know, there is some inherent beauty built into it, right? And you just kind of like re, re, revalue them. Um, it's interesting. I keep thinking, like here in America, I guess the mall would be the, the, the abandoned mall would be that our equivalency, right, of the relics. And it's you know, I'm sure as years go by, the, you know, obviously with the change in demographics and and uh, and and just uh, habits, right, uh, the malls will become more and more relics, right. And there's already some locations where you start seeing these, like you know, these abandoned, you know, uh, you know, shopping centers, you know, falling to totally pay, right. So yeah, no, that's a good analogy. It's, it's it's definitely the same kind of concept playing out in in you know contemporary yeah. American Canadian society. Yeah, it could be it could be interesting to to document. Um, so the the relationship between architecture and nature plays a crucial role in your work, right? More importantly, I find a particular focus. Uh, on your part, on men's interference in this relationship, right? Almost as a as as man is an unwanted guest, right? Um, do I, do I read it right? Am, am I interpreting right? Um, right? It's almost like a man is almost like an undesired bystander to this relationship, right? Between architecture and nature. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm not necessarily trying to make like um, a you know a statement like like a critical statement about the the that relationship i'm more just curious and uh, observing the the paradoxes between that relationship because it is um in in all my work there's this sort of thread of like that the power of nature the resurgence of nature is this sort of unstoppable um inevitable force so even if the even if man can um, you know, tear it down to build up some mega city. Like as you see, centuries later or decades later, like there's many cases where those cities and, and empires decay and the yeah. nature resurges. So, um, yeah, it's it's less of like a, a critique and more of a uh, just a fascination in the nuances of that relationship. 
Yeah, and, and nature will always um, come from a vantage point of time, right? Because nature is, you know, our, the reclaiming process is very slow, but, you know, but it's, it's complete, right? It's, 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 you know, you know, man can build fast, can destroy fast, but, you know, nature is just a vantage point of time. And as you can see, you know, uh, as, you know, uh, in your, in your work, right, you see the, the, you know, the, na the natural element kind of taking over the, you know, the abandoned structure. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So in some, go ahead. I was going to say, in some you know, projects in the past, have been more focused on uh, looking at like the scale in which humans have built and and like removed the whole natural space, right, through like mass yeah. housing and like skyscraper cities and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's just like my my curiosity in the concept sort of shifts from yeah. different you know points in that that theme along the way. Yeah. Um, so you seem to embody the perfect description of the modern uh, world citizen, nomadic, at home anywhere in the world, always on the go. Uh, you know, you're currently, you're currently in Stockholm right now, right? Um, yes. But you are Dutch, and, but Dutch by birth by Cana and Canadian by adoption, right? If you could just share with the audience, you know, your, uh, you know, just a bit of your background, your personal background, yeah. Yeah, I was born in Amsterdam in the, in the Netherlands. And then I moved to Canada when I was about two years old and lived different places across the country, but well, mostly was raised um, on Vancouver Island and Vancouver oh, wow. on Beautiful the far western. World. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, super pretty. So um, I think like I think I've had some influence by the just the sense of scale that you get out there. Yeah like between the, the island looking towards the Olympic Peninsula and Washington State, for instance, you have this huge distance and these massive mountains. So right. that's, I think that's sort of like definitely informed my like aesthetic, uh, you know, upbringing, as well as the, yeah, just the, the way that the British Columbia is so intertwined with nature, right. you know, whether it's like, the city Stanley Park in Vancouver or the mountains like you go from from urban metropolis to complete wilderness yeah. in like a very short span yeah um but yeah then I, I moved to New York and um got a uh master's in photography and video and related media oh wow after I did an undergraduate in Vancouver so UBC in Vancouver for undergraduate and then I was going to actually study architecture mm -hmm. to go to, to grad school for architecture but through the portfolio making process for architecture school, um, I realized that actually photography was much more um, appealing to me wow. based on the fact that you could, you know, th th it's more immediate. There's, it, it enables a lot of like travel and movement and, and experiencing different things as opposed to say working on one project, uh, for in a building or for a firm or something right. for an extended period of time. So, um, yeah, did my master's in New York and graduated in 2012, stayed there for a few years longer, and then basically went out into the world following different documentary stories and, and news, uh, news events and, um, built a career from there based on, on following my, my interests in with, with photography is the, right, right, right. the sort of vehicle to do so. And, and, and the, I'm assuming you started with uh, commercial work right away, right after, right after your studies, right? Yeah. Yeah. So to prior to, to, you know, to get into the program, I, um, I was focusing mostly just on documentary mm -hmm. photojournalism type stories and then throughout the, the program was also very much like documentary photo based. But then, yeah, I mean, like living in New York and, and the, the whole connections and the way that that um, industry operates there leads to a lot of commercial work as well. Right. So, yeah, the pattern is basically like um, commission assignments and commercial assignments that facilitate your you know, personal, mm -hmm. personal work as well. So, yeah. Right. And at some point there's the realization that, you know, there, there is an, an element of art here and I'm maybe doing like, at what point in the process do you, 
you know, do you come to the realization that uh, you are an artist at heart? You know, that you're that you're not. And, and at what point in your in your in your in your specific you know career, like, do you did you say, okay, as of today, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a working artist? Um, I mean, I think be through the the actual the graduate MFA program is very very focused on fine art uh, in particular. So it's create it it created real distinctions between say photojournalism and fashion and uh commercial work and like right. fine art so uh like coming from uh you know a non-art background that was actually really useful to me to get a bit of like an, an understanding where people have created these sort of categories and, and differences mm-hmm. um i think like at the end of the day it's you don't really like decide so much, oh, I'm an artist or I'm this or that. It's a bit more like what you're interested in is usually what you're good at. And then you, the sort of cards fall as they as they may. Um, and you end up being like, you know, more art focused or more commercial focused, driven by the initial thing, which is your interest. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I can de- I can definitely see that. And uh uh, you know, but it's it's a process of um, you know it's a process of of maturing, right? And then uh, so it seems to me that the the, the uh, since your MFA days, right? The, uh, the the idea of of being an artist, right? Of being an artist, so doing photography as an artist was always at the forefront, right? And obviously, the commercial work is you know it has to do with the business of making a living, right? To be able to uh, to to do art, to make art, right? Um, yeah. yeah, there's quite a close relationship between the two, though, which is interesting. Like, often to get the commercial work, the the art directors or you know the clients or whoever, they're most interested and most drawn to you for your personal work. Right. So even if it doesn't mean that, like you know, if you're going to shoot a, a car or something, it doesn't mean you're going to photograph it in the same way mm-hmm. as you do your personal work. Yeah. It's the personal work that that attracts them and makes them interested in you or catches their eye and then is willing to work with you commercially. So, um, and very often through commercial assignments, you discover things and and meet people and go places that really aids your personal work. Right. So, that's interesting. So it can work in tandem as well. Yeah. So it, it's the case of where a creative director, you know, sees one of the works from over everlasting and decides, you know, we need to bring in Ryan, right, to, uh, you know, to maybe reinvent or reimagine the BMW, for example, whatever, right, or the or the uh, or the new a new a new computer, right? It's uh, uh, it's 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 the actual person, it's the art, right, that kind of. Uh, um, it generates that that inquiry right or that interest from the from the commercial establishment yeah. yeah for sure because if you just look at just commercial work yeah. um it can be there can be like not necessarily a lot of differences between you know different pictures of a car for instance yeah. so i think that there this is generalizing of course because there's huge differences between yeah. certain photographers how they shoot cars but the point is is that um they they are looking at a bit more of like the the artistic um core behind the artist to execute what they want even though you know that final outcome might be slightly generic if it's like a a commercial car photo for instance right 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 Um, and sometimes you know it can be very literal like they want you because of something you've you've created um, specifically, you know, where they want you to like reenact it essentially for for the brand, or it's it can be looser, where it's just like okay, they respect and like your your style and your uh, approach, and you have total creative freedom to go a different direction with their product. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, a, a, a approach to the work, to to the creation of the work. You know, from what I see, from uh, you know, as as uh, as an objective bystander, if I look at your body of work, it seems to me there's a lot of uh, intention that goes behind the the, uh, the 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 preparatory stage of preparing the work or preparing a project. There's the, uh, the 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 time invested in the travel to the location. There's also 
uh, which I, I picked up, you know, uh, doing some research on your work, was the the actual relationship you built with the locals, right, in these um, in, in 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 these places that you've gone to document it. Uh, is does it feel is is it is it like a chore or is it more uh, a question of like well it's the only it's the only way I know how to do it right um, I want if you could make that distinction if you could uh, yeah share your thoughts on that yeah I mean I think you know as I was saying coming from the photojournalistic more documentary background um, the the key to that is to really immerse yourself in the subject and you know to to in many cases, sacrifice, like your, your time, your, um, safety, your comfort, um, everything for the story or Mm -hmm. for the subject or for the picture, do whatever it takes, you know, uh, for the picture whilst leaving a, a a positive impact on the people that you've, um, you know, influenced in some way by being there. So, it's uh, a bit just like the the approach to like dive into it to really understand something i think is um what has has led to the the real like immersion into the subject yeah the subject matter in the place and also because it's driven by um like an actual genuine interest in the in the subject that it's like a you know a pleasure to and exciting and and very interesting to to dig as deep as possible into the, these different places and meet the people and make connections with the people and whatnot. And it's also facilitates, you know, making good, making good images and good work yeah. is when you have the deepest understanding and connections and all that kind of thing. Right. I mean, it, show, it, it shows commitment, shows intention and, and, and their relationship that have kind of also lasted throughout the years, right. From, uh, from, from your travels. Right. Um, for sure. Yeah, but I definitely see the photojournalist sort of, uh, not mentality, but uh, uh, formation kind of like influence that, right? The, that that approach, right? Because, you know, th- that's at the core of the photojournalist experience, right? The one to really, really uh, embed yourself into the into the local reality and, and, and tell the place and it's all, you know, all its uh, variations, right? And its subtleties. So, um, so I think it, it... And I think... Yeah, good. No, no, I was just going to say, I think that, um, you know, if you want to succeed in the sense that you can continue being a, a full-time creative visual, you know, image maker, you also just have to give everything to it. You know, it's not like a sort of passive, uh, the passive profession. It's, it's you, you a hundred percent goes into it. Yeah. So it's also like a bit. Um, just part of the process of, right. of committing your whole life to it. I mean, it, it, I'm sure it creates a, a, a whole a slew of you know of uh, collateral you know material. Whether it's like you know uh, you could write uh, an, an article about that experience, right? You could uh, there there you know there's so many other elements, right, to the uh, offshoot projects, right, that can come out of that uh, of documenting that experience, right, which. Um, um, for know, sure, uh, the ability to commit yourself to commit yourself to that to that to that place and location, you know, um, could be you know uh, grounds for other you know other artistic endeavors for sure. Um, the process itself, uh, Ryan, I'm just curious about the technique. So it's it starts with a, with a with a photographic documenting right of the location of the space, right? It just a, it's just a, a still photography, right? And it's usually a very very uh, curiously stu- uh, uh, studiously, you know, it's a studied uh, image, right? Where you uh, on tripod, right? And you and you capture right the the subject, right? Can you can you walk me through the process? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, you know, sometimes it depends on what kind of uh, situation you're in, as far as how much time you have, etc. But essentially, yeah, ideally, you're shooting with a tripod and a and a tilt shift lens. You know, like a ar- very architectural lens where you can control the perspective of the room and shoot a still image, and then also often record video. And, you know, try to like document the space as, as much as you possibly can. And then take that two, two dimensional image into 3D software and, um, construct the, the actual structure three dimensionally and then add the light and the animated foliage 
and uh, sort of create a, an imaginative interpretation of of this space, you know, applying all the the concepts of the the story, right, of the resurging of nature and and um, removing it from a particular place in time is also another part of it. That it's not, you know, it's it's there's the paradox that it is a real place, but it's being infused with you know artificial yeah. plant life, reimagined in a way, which right? is it's it's completely reimagined, yeah. And and yeah, yeah, and the actual now the actual uh, capturing of the space is that a, a one day effort, a two day effort? Like, uh, I'm just you know. yeah, it, it it can depend, but you know, I say with with Skaltubo, I've been going back and forth there for seven years, wow. so it's and and sometimes like weeks on end, or or sometimes very, as short as a few days, sometimes over a month. So it it kind of depends, and typically. Um, I'll reshoot the same location under different lighting circumstances or, you know, you go back there and like the whole room has Mm -hmm. deteriorated. Like there's no ceiling anymore, for instance. So the whole place is completely changed. So then that whole shoot is um, you're going to, you're going to go back and use the previous uh, visits images for the piece instead of like what you just went there to go photograph. So the, it's hard to, to really place um, an actual amount of time, but right. it takes a long time. Right. It takes a long time and a lot of, um, you know, patience and and research and uh, effort yeah, yeah. To, to, to go there. And I would assume thousands of stills per each, uh, for each building, right? For each that you have to... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, also because I'm trying to um, sort of future-proof these places as well, or these, these artworks and shooting 360, um, you know, like full coverage of the space as well to ultimately have the material for immersive spaces in the future. So the process of actually like shooting everything also adds more time than, you know, than say the, the pieces that you've seen that have been minted being one frame. Um, there's a lot more like that that's happening around, around that. Uh, uh, but the end of result is, you know, ultimately it, it is a, an archival kind of work, right? Because you know, you you're always keeping an historical record, right, of these, uh, of these, you know, these buildings that belong to the past, right? But you know, that occupy a specific place and time, right? In um, you know, in the history of mankind. So the fact that the, you know you're getting to document them, uh, but obviously, you know, we, as we said, the natural element is is very very important in your work and this sort of like dreamy capture of it. Um, I always wonder if, uh, with, with the, with the addition of the natural element, are you trying to restore the dignity to these spaces or is it just, you know, uh, I don't know. Is it just, you know, is there another motive at play for you to do so? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like the, 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 the buildings in their current state will never be, you know, restored to the degree of how they initially were. And if they are, in many cases, that restoration is, uh, is kind of like uh, an inauthentic, um, unsatisfying kind of attempt at, at restoring the building. Right. But in most cases they are just deteriorating like rapidly or being burnt down by arsonists or being, you know, completely stripped of all, materials like the copper and the the wood and anything by people who who want to use the use the raw materials so point is is that they're for the most part disappearing or rapidly um so the the you know the intention of um of then like beautifying them yeah is to it first of first of all it's to like to as you're saying to document to capture this sort of fleeting structure. And then the the second sort of drive, I think, is to um, to use it as like a canvas, you know, for for one's own sort of creative, imaginative uh, experiment. So it, I don't think like, I don't think it's meant to, to restore the dignity of the space as much as it is to to use it artistically right okay. to 
create something new whilst, you know, capturing something real from the past. As a springboard for something else or for something, yeah, something, yeah, something else. Yeah, for sure. And people can appreciate it, you know, for the fact that it, some people would appreciate it as, oh, it's a, this building looks beautiful or, you know, those kinds of things. But the, the, that interpretation is more up to the, the viewer. It's not really um, built into my intention. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Ryan, shifting gears to uh, to collaboration work, right? Um, how do you approach your collaborative work? You know, and I'm thinking about you know your your I don't know if it was recent, but your work you did with uh, with Kath Simmer, right? Uh, how, yeah, walk me through that process there. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, well, so collaborating is. Um, is one of those things that like sometimes it, it really works well when two artists have a, have a similar, you know, uh, outcome in mind or a similar process or something. And, and other times it's people have two different approaches that, that are better off to um, be independent, you know, independently executed. But in the case with Kath, it was a, a super seamless, um, like perfect sort of coming together of our two worlds and two ideas and um with just so, some back and forth about you know the ideas and, and narrowing down the concept uh we came to that the the final piece that that you see that's out there today um kath is super like decisive and uh and professional and you can tell that she's been you know a working photographer yeah in the in the real world for a long time so that it makes it easier when you um are are like going back and forth in in the sort of same language yeah as as you both are, are typically used to um so yeah it was it was like uh it was a really great collaboration it's i think collaborations are not something that that you that one would always do like it's it has to be kind of like a a unique aligning of, of two different styles or, you know, concepts or, or whatever. Um, but they, they can be fun and it, it pushes you to think about your other work in new ways as well. Right. Right. And, uh, in, the, in, in this case, was it you reaching out to Kath or was it a third party that brought you together or was it Kath making the initiative, taking the initiative? No, I reached out to her. I had this, this one structure and, um, I thought, oh, that's like one of her mountainscapes would look super interesting here. And then we, you know, came to the idea to make it at night and then narrowed in on the concept and, and continued from there. But I reached out to her and she was, she was um, to the, to the, super yeah, yeah. enthusiastic and down yeah. to do it. I mean, there's an element of the absurd, right? You've got this, uh, you know, this quintessential, right, Kath, you know, background of this uh, majestic, right, mountain, uh, mountainous, you know, sort of a landscape. Uh, but then, you know, it's sitting right behind the windows of this, uh, of this, like, uh, sort of like the Keynes, uh, you know, building and, uh, but you know, the, the, totally. uh, the layering and the execution is so flawless that it looks exactly what's, uh, you know, at the window. Right. So, um, and her, her work is also very much like, um, based in the reality, like in the physical, you know, going there and discovering and yeah. and documenting, and then bringing it back and taking it into that that creative, imaginative, right. secondary layer. So you know, both both of our approaches to our at least our like contemporary yeah. work follows a similar thread in that sense. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, there's definitely seems to be like a, a you know paying your dues kind of approach to it, right? Meaning like really investing yourself with the time and the travel, right, to go to these, uh, you know, far flung locations, right? And uh, and and you know, not only capturing the um, uh, you know capturing the imagery, but it's also like you know uh, you know live, living the experience, right? By you know so being there wholeheartedly, right? So um, totally. And uh, now, are you very active in the collaborative space, or is it just you know, if 
if you feel the inspiration or if you feel the need because of a specific piece calls for some other artists that you admire, you know, to be part of it, then you would reach out to them. Yeah, more so, more so than that, um, that direction. Working on a couple of collaborations at various stages of, uh, of completion mm -hmm. at this point, but we take it like pretty slowly as far as who wants to, you know, uh, do what at, at a certain point in order to sort of extract the most like authentic, right. um, fusion of to the both, both people's work. Right. It goes at its own pace. It doesn't interrupt the flow of what you're working on personally. Right. And, uh, um, and it takes the necessary time to do it right. Right. And yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah, so I, I would approach them as having them few and far between, but to make them, you know, quite special when when they are uh, released. All right, cool, uh, Ryan. So if I think about you know your, your your body of work, your entire body of work, right? Uh, I think it's important to keep in mind that there's also uh, uh, an element of traditional photography, right, that needs to be considered, right, it needs to be uh, certainly looked at. And I'm thinking of, of projects like, uh, I think it was called Portrait of Modernity, right? From the past, right? Which is a study mm -hmm. the social consequences of uh, hyper-globalization, right? Can you speak about that body of work? Because I found it really interesting. To me, it was, uh, you know, it speaks to the scale. Uh, oh, gosh, it's just an amazing body of work. I'd love to hear more um, from your Thank you. Point. Yeah. So, yeah, the one of the main topics that I have been looking at for the last decade or so is that um, is the, the, the mega city, like the, yeah. the mass uh, built mass urban planning. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've gone to places that are, that, that emphasize or highlight that concept, yeah. like in particularly strongly like Kazakhstan or China or, um, uh, you know, basically all over the world has examples of it, but where they've built very quickly, very large yeah. uh, expanses of, um, of, of urban development. And um, yeah, it's like, it goes back to the, the earlier topic of, of how, at what stage in this sort of relationship between the built environment and the natural environment I'm looking at. Um, and that's at that sort of like mass removal of, of nature and like, you know, implementation of, of, uh, structures. Um, that's also looking at a bit more of like the modern cities. It, it goes back to some like Soviet era planning, but more, more modern and, um, urban, uh, urban designs and the way that, 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 that's the, the, ideologies and the values of the society, the culture and the society and the leadership is um, pr projected through the architecture. That's another like thing that I'm really drawn to. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's just fascinating, right. To watch. Uh, where, where did you shoot that by the way, that series, where was that, uh, where was that documented? Um, a, a bunch of different places. So like a, a mix all over, but you know, from, um, Kazakhstan, China, Russia, Singapore, Malaysia, okay. Iraq, Ukraine, Brazil, you know, like jumping out of all over where there's, where there's these sort of hyper-concentrated examples yeah. of um, the topic. Yeah. Now that's something, and it's something I'm still adding to. to the Paradise Now series, because that's another series that I'm like so, so in love with. I think it's just an amazing series. Yeah. It does. Yeah, exactly. Paradise Now was the was my graduate thesis project. Oh wow, was it? So that yeah, yeah. So from 2012 is when it was published. The pictures are from 2009 to uh, 2012, and um, that was the the sort of birth of the the bigger body of work. Like the portrait of modernity is a, is an ongoing thing. Yeah. So I'm still when I see something that I think can fit into that um genre i'll i'll shoot it for that in mind right right. but paradise right. now is like a, a finished project from yeah. from I don't 10 know, years I, ago I, th I think it's genius i think it's a, it's it's a tribute to men's um i don't know men's worst instincts for self-importance right this sort of like you know mm -hmm. building these like sort of like almost like vanity projects you know but uh 
I don't know. I think you call them you call them urban fantasies, right? Um, of uh, you know, at the nationalistic scale, right? This national. Um, uh-huh. I, I just think it's yeah, it's a, yeah. It's it's. Um, I've always found it super interesting when there's like a very small group of people that are in charge of designing and and <laughs> constructing like a, a whole entire city. Yeah. You know? Especially if it's a, a one leader, like in yeah. Kazakhstan, for instance. Right. The central committee, um, right? <laughs> the central yeah. committee approach yeah. to urban planning, right? Um, yeah. Well, you see that in North Korea. You see it in, the, like you said, in the Soviet era. Uh, you know, cities. You know, cities from the, from the former Soviet Republic. You see it in the, uh, you know, in the Kazakhstan of this world, the Turkmenistan's of this world. You know, Al- Al- You've been to Almaty, right? The capital, right? With this, I mean, it's a brand yeah. new capital, right? Uh, well, yeah. now it's called Astana, I think, right? Or it keeps changing names. Astana, yeah, yeah. There's well, Almaty is the old capital in the south, yeah, and then Astana was the new capital in the north, but then they changed Astana recently oh, they, they, to Nur Sultan, yeah. yeah. And they're so you know kind of built. It's had three names actually. Yeah, oh, okay, kind of built from scratch, right? And in these in these incredibly large scale, right, which are not to the measure of man, right, just to the measure of like you know an inflated ego of a of you know of a ruler or an autocrat, whatever. But um, yeah, so well, it's bringing in some of the the biggest architects, yeah, you know, like the big in the world mm-hmm. to sort of have free reign to to use it as this like futuristic playground yeah. for their designs, yeah. which is also leads to s- some interesting and strange yeah. results. But don't, don't you think, don't you find that they still have to design it to, to the client's sort of uh, uh, grandiose, right? I mean, it's, it's still not the architect's kind of like interpretation or intent. So it's almost like, okay, what do you, you know, well, I want you to build this giant, you know, mausoleum that has a, uh, I don't know, a dagger and whatever, right? Um, yeah. You're still <laughs> yeah, to, for sure. You're still building to the dictator's, uh, uh, you know, specifications, right? Even though... Sometimes, like, in an extremely literal sense where it's, like, you know, put a, a gold sculpture of my hand <laughs> in the top, you know, dome, which is an actual, like, example. But it can also be, I think, that maybe, like, I don't know about the sort of global economics situation of our architects right now yeah. but at points in time when when there's been you know like uh, uh huge resources yeah. i imagine that there's been some sort of creative freedom or li- you know more more limitless uh things for the architects to go yeah a bit crazier than they right, would right, typically right, right. and uh and ryan is there to document it <laughs> and you and you get a capture all that um, so, uh, right. So when you're not shooting, right. When you're not uh, creating art, what, uh, what, what are you doing? What, uh, how do you, how do you like to spend your, your time? Uh, researching the next thing basically. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Pretty much just full, full time, but you know, I love it. And, um, it's, there's obviously so many, uh, it's so multifaceted. There's so many different things you can do that it's, it's not like, yeah, it's of course it's work and there's going to be parts that are hard work, but it's, yeah. it's just what I do. It's what I enjoy doing. And do you consume art like museums and uh, galleries and uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I'm lucky enough to be able to go to lots of different places and be constantly uh, yeah. immersed in all different cultural stimulus. So um, I think like the main, like probably the biggest uh like inspiration or influence is the is going to places that i haven't been before right. you know and seeing new new things and that kind of thing and of course yeah like the institutions they, they can be they can inform certain things that are um that i'm interested in in the moment like uh for instance if you go to a museum and you look at the way that the physical yeah has been displayed you know like framing or or materials or stuff like that, a bit more um, like practical things. Yeah. And the real inspiration comes from like cultures and cities. Right, 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 right. Uh, any, uh, any upcoming interesting travels or projects or drops or anything that uh, you want that you want to share? Yeah, well, I just, as I was saying uh, before, we uh, just got back from uh, basically three months of, of nonstop shooting and creating new visuals. 
So right now the, the foreseeable future is to work on that okay. uh, already generated imagery. Um, and there's several releases and uh, collaborations and, and different projects that are, that I'm very like head, heads down on, uh, on working on right now. So that's the main, the main focus. And there's going to be some uh, releases that I'm super excited about later this year, which okay. you'll see yeah. when they're done. Right. So the last, so the last three months, the last three months were dedicated to travel, right? And that, and that travel has, uh, has generated like a body of work and now you'll, you'll be able to assemble, right? And, and then eventually mint and release, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I had, uh, you know, researched a whole bunch of locations and topics and different things around um, creating these, these new pieces. And then it was about like going there and finding them and, and executing the images. And, um, and then it's been also uh, some art seasons as well, like exhibiting and had a, a solo exhibition in Montreal um in october yeah, so and then that, yeah. showed a piece in in prague and then um there was art basel in, in miami yeah. so it's sort of it was a combination as well as exhibiting some work yeah. um in between the different yeah right what was that um you had you had one piece exhibiting in prague right the, uh, the castle there right what, what was the event there so that event um is called nf castle is what the termed it and essentially they had a fundraiser um in the lobkowitz palace wow. for the composer dvorak oh sure yeah anton anton dvorak and the the were they were fundraising um to to generate money to renovate dvorak's birth house which is this like old um little house in this village and they want to convert it into like a, uh, an, a educational facility, cultural facility, sort yeah. of semi museum and have like m music workshops and, and all those kinds of things. So in conjunction with the fundraiser, they had an exhibition of, of uh, some work yeah. and um, yeah, it was, and then they had a, like an opening gala and everything. So it was really, it was really cool um, to go there and to meet the whole, team and Prague is a beautiful yeah. city so that's awesome yeah it was, it was really yeah it was really fun all right um well one last question it's a question I ask all my all my guests right is uh so Ryan in one year Ryan in five years and Ryan in uh, 10 years so so yeah well, January through... 12 2024 <laughs> where do we where do we find you the, my main focus right now is well, which would be the same trend I imagine throughout the the whole decade is um, creating constantly creating new work first of all, but uh, embracing the the technology that this space you know uh, affords and really using it to push the boundaries of of um, what's possible with the work as far as the creation of it or the present presentation of it. Um, the, you know, the smart contracts that make things more um, interactive or dynamic. Yeah. Um, so to constantly like stay on the, the forefront of the technology and because that's, what's, you know, so great about this work is the ability to do that. And um but also, you know, like focusing on physicals and having work in the the big auction houses and and ultimately the museums, and um, just con like keep maintaining the the um, the 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 production yeah. is uh, is the most important is having the concept and um, being able to generate the work and uh, just continue doing that. It's that's how I foresee the next one year to five years to 10 years. Right. Learning, learning new ways to, to, um, to grow the work and, you know, constantly be inspired by what other people are doing as well. Right. So uh, in a, in a nutshell, just keep working, right? Keep, uh, keep, keep creating, keep producing and keep, um, uh, keep building. Um, 
Yeah, and and staying you know dynamic and and flexible and observant of um, yeah. what the different possibilities are as far as you know tools. Yeah, I mean, as as far as the technology is concerned, we're probably one of the most consequential you know times in our lives, right? So where the the the, the rate of innovation is so rapid that. Uh, it just requires the utmost attention on our part, right? Just to keep track and keep up with it, right? Um, but then again, it's to me, it's like the, one of the main reasons, or the only reason why we want to be in the digital space anyway, right? Because it is all technology enabled, right? Um, you know, whether it's the you know uh, the benefits of, uh, of you know blockchain technology and uh, the evolution of smart contracts. Um, I think unless we're able to you know, to continue to, to, to master it, right? Um, you know, it's, we're going to easily fall by the wayside and at some point not be considered digital artists anymore because the space would have moved so far. So, um, for sure. but uh, great, Ryan. Listen, thank you so much for uh, your time. I think it's been a very, very insightful conversation. As, you know, as always, you know, uh, you know, I like to I consider this podcast like a long-form uh, podcast. One, you know, we kind of like dig a little deep into the, uh, really, you know, the inspiration and the, uh, the the vision of the you know of the artist, and most importantly, like really what's behind the work, right? Um, and I, th- I think what you're doing is incredibly valuable because it does. Uh, it's you know, it's like I said, it's a it's a, it's it's an archival uh, type of work in that we're recording history at some point. Um, in a way, we're bringing together two worlds, uh, you know, nature and architecture, um, which. I think tell a very, very compelling story, right? And visually, it's probably one of the most interesting manifestations, I think. Um, Thank you again for your time, Ryan. And I look forward to our next conversation for sure. Um, also, thanks everyone for listening. I'm Michele Colonna, your host. And you can follow me at uh, on Twitter at mcolona65. That's at mcolona65, M-C-O-L-O-N-N-A-6-5. Stay glitch, my friend. And until the next episode of Scrapbook. Thanks for your time.